hope you had a, a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Um, you know, I was thinking about as I was preparing for this message in light of, of Thanksgiving, you know, we gather as a family uh, to give thanks to, to Jesus uh, and to give thanks for uh, all that he gives us. And for some of us, this can be a time, a season, this holiday season, a time filled with joy, a uh, time where we gather around uh, with family and friends. And, you know, there can also be an aspect in which these holiday seasons um, can be ones of, of extreme loneliness. Uh, it can be times where we're picking at scars. It can be times where um, the loss of a loved one comes to the surface. A time where a fractured relationship um, is, is sort of magnified. And so, in, in light of that, knowing that the sin in this world, the fallenness, the, the brokenness, um, we, each of us, as the church, and we're going to see this in our, in our message today, we are called to be Jesus with skin on. And so, I want you to look around this room. Go ahead and look around right now. Look at the other people in your room. So you can smile. You, can, you don't have to be weird about it. Just say hi. Um, this is your family. This is your, your church family. And, and as a family, um, we need to take care of each other. And, and no one of us can reach out to every other one of us in this room. But if each of us, as disciples, are the hands and feet of Jesus, um, we can be praying for one another. If you know of someone who's going through a particularly hard stint through this holiday season, uh, to be reaching out and connecting to one another, um, there might be somebody, and just pr- ask you to be praying for, who's, who's the Lord impressing on your heart in this season? Uh, someone to reach out to, to love on, and, and to be faithful and obedient to, to what the Spirit's leading you into in that area. This November has been our mission month. It is every year, and, and this year's theme is to be a missionary, bless a missionary. And myself and several other speakers have been walking us through what that looks like. Uh, three weeks ago, we had Dave Flam, uh, our own here from Peninsula Grace, is a missionary with Arctic Barnabas, and he called us into um, the reasons that God has given us to be a servant and dispelled any of the excuses that we might give to him. And then two weeks ago, um, I shared about how we're each called to be a missionary. That all of us are called to make disciples to some degree. That's all of us. There are no exceptions. And then last week, this is a selfie with uh, the guest speaker from last week and myself. His name was John Ward. He came from Atlanta, our mission's headquarters in Compass. Flew up here to talk to us and to show us some of the barriers that we often create for ourselves to be the missionaries that God's called us to be, whether it's across the street or across the world. And if you missed any of those, you can go onto our website or listen on the podcast and and catch up. And and John and and Dave really appreciated uh, what they had to offer. And and today we're going to wrap up this theme, and we're going to look at the Bless a Missionary side. And we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, all of us, we said, have been called to make disciples, to go into the world and seek and save the lost. But then there are also those who, who step into what we call vocational ministry which means that they are full-time, uh, that their, their job, they are not receiving any other income or very much other income. Uh, what they're doing is their vocation uh, in ministry. And so I believe the rest of us are called to come alongside of those vocational ministries, uh, missionaries, and support them, whether it be financially, whether it be relationally, or whether it be prayerfully, as we'll see today, that we are going to hear uh, firsthand from a missionary himself, his name was Paul, uh, wrote a large part of the New Testament, and he's going to talk to us about the power that we've been given to bless other missionaries as they go. We're going to see three kinds of power this morning. We're going to see the power of generosity, 
We're going to see the power of prayer whoops, and the power of relationship. So we'll look at this together. First of all, the power of generosity. Missionary Paul is going to put the giving into thanksgiving. In, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he is addressing the context here. He's talking to this church at Corinth, and he wants to talk to them about this gift that they've uh, promised to give to the poor in Jerusalem. There's been a famine, and there's many believers in Jerusalem that have virtually nothing. And so he's receiving this gift from Corinth, the church there, to give to these believers. And he has a couple of principles about giving that he wants to address to them that I believe are extremely relevant to us today. And the first one is that motive matters. Our motive matters when it comes to giving. And the first thing he's going to talk about that is that God is much more, much more concerned about how we give than how much we give. He's less concerned about the amount than he is with our motive. So to think about this in, in a different light, each of us every year give to Uncle Sam, right? And, or I guess some of you get taxed back if you were responsible and blah, blah, blah. But, but I often have to give. And so um, what happens is when I give, I, I give to the American government, but I do not give with a cheerful spirit, right? I give with a grudging face. This is my grudging face. And, and every year, when, when we give, um, this, this is, we're giving what we are supposed to give, what the, what the government, a certain amount that the government has asked us to give. But this is not what God's called us into, where he says, well, just give me a certain amount. I'm going to set the amount, you give it to me, and then the rest is yours, and you just kind of go on your merry way. It's kind of a Christian tax. That's not what we're called into as believers. What God loves, what delights his heart, is what I would call, God loves a giddy giver, not a grudging giver. He loves a giddy giver, not a grudging giver. Look at 2 Corinthians with me. In, in chapter 8, verse 3, Paul says he wants these people to give of their own free will. He wants them to want to give. He's not forcing them to give. Verse 12, I want you to give eagerly. I want you to give eagerly, and, and, and so, you know, you, you think about it in, in this way, um, the, 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 um, the chapter 9, verse 7, he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. So God doesn't have the Corinthians in a, in a half Nelson, or in a, I guess this is a headlock, I don't really know my wrestling terms, and he's saying, you have to give, and then he forces them to give. He says, I want you to want to give. And then he says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And that word, the Greek word there, you might have it in your translation as bountifully or generously. You know what the root word is there in the Greek? It's hilaros. It's where we get our word hilarious. And what he's saying here is, I want you to give in a way that you are downright giddy. That you just can't wait to give. They say, I love giving to other people. So he doesn't want this. He wants this. That's my hilarious face, right? So from this to this. So how do we, but the question is, how do we transition from this to this? Well, one of the things I want to I mention here as a side is you might be thinking, oh, sweet. Okay, so... I don't have a generous spirit, like God just didn't give that to me, so I just won't give, right? Well, no, no. What, what I would encourage you into is not to wait until God gives you a generous spirit, but like with many things in our lives, we practice these things in a discipline, and we pray that, Lord, as I give, would you form my heart and make it like yours? Would you make it like Jesus's, that I would give from a place that is generous, that it's hilarious for me to be able to give to other people but the question is, how do we move from grudging giving to giddy giving? How, how do we make that transfer? 
Well, that comes to our second principle. How we see God matters. How we see God. Motive matters and how we see God matters. Do you in your life primarily see God as a giver or as a taker? And this will determine the way in which we give. See, if we see God as this giant vacuum cleaner that's just trying to suck up all of our time, all of our money, all of our fun, like he's just Ebenezer Scrooge coming up to us and just taking, taking, taking. We're not going to want to give to him, right? But if we see God as this bountiful waterfall where he is just unendingly dumping on us blessing after blessing after blessing, we're going to be a lot more motivated and generous to to give to other people. You see, chapter 9, verse 8, he says, and God, and this this is so key, he says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you get the heart of what Paul is saying there? If we actually believe this, that my God, he says, Philippians 4, will, has supplied all of your needs. He's given you not only everything you need, and your needs, not your greeds, not your wants. All of our needs have been supplied in Jesus. And if we really believe that, then we will be the most generous, hilariously giving people on planet Earth. You think about, like, if you're in the desert, and you're dying of thirst, and all you have is this little Dixie cup of water, you're not going to give that away very generously, are you? This is life, and this is all you have. But if you're standing under a waterfall that is dumping water on you, and you know that there will be no limit to that supply, there will be no end, no end to that waterfall, if you know that this God is never going to stop dumping blessings on you, then you're going to be able to splash that water on everybody else, giving it freely away just like you freely received because you know you're never going to run out. In fact, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, two verses later, he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously, and here's the promise, will get a generous crop. He says the more you get away, the more you give away, the more you're going to receive, the more blessing that will come from your giving. Now, this is not prosperity gospel. Jesus said said to plant your seed in a way, he said build your reward toward a place where moth and rust cannot destroy. We have an eternal perspective, and there's something better coming someday than material possession and health and wealth right now today. But what his principle here is, is the more you give away, the, the more blessing that you will see in your life. You cannot outgive our God. His supply will never cease. How we see God, do we see him as giver or taker? That will determine the kind of heart, a giddy or a, or a um, what was it, grudging giving. So how, how we see God matters and how then how others see God matters. Verse 12, he says in, in chapter 9, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. He says two things will happen if you give to the poor in Jerusalem. Number one, he says their needs will be met. Now this is super practical, right? When we give to other people, it meets their needs. When we give to the missionaries that we support as Peninsula Grace, we are meeting very practical needs. They're not going to be very good in their ministry if they don't have food in their bellies and a roof over their heads. So we're meeting very practical, physical needs of theirs, but then he says there's this other thing that is more practical and lays at a foundation of even that. And he says it's this, that they will joyfully express their thanks to Justin. Oh wait, 
Sorry, that was the message. This one says, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. That's right, that's right. Okay, so no more heresy. So wait, wait, wait a second. If the church at Corinth is giving them the money, why are they thanking God? Well, we know where every good gift comes from ultimately, right? You and I wouldn't have a body, a brain. We would not have a dollar in our pocket if it was not given to us by almighty creator God. Everything comes from him. And so when we give to others, the glory does not come back to us. It goes to the God who supplied everything that they needed. The thanks goes to God. And so we have this awesome privilege to give to missionaries in a way that when they see our generosity, when they see their, their needs being met by somebody else, they'll praise their God for meeting their needs through, through us. What a privilege to be a part of that. How others see God matters. And the fourth and final principle under this generosity principle is, is how Jesus gave matters. How Jesus gave matters. This is how Paul wraps up this section on giving. He says, thank God, again, it all goes to him, for this gift too wonderful for words. Well, what gift is he talking about? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God gave to us the only reason that we can freely, cheerfully, bountifully, hilariously give to others is because God first gave to us everything we need in Jesus. And our prayer is that as we give, our heart would become more like Jesus's, that we would give like he gave to us. This is what he says back in chapter 8. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus. He gave to us that decidedly did not deserve what he gave. Though he was rich, he became poor for your sakes, so that by his poverty, by his death, by his sacrifice, he could make you rich. So it comes down to this. Do we believe that Jesus has met all of our needs? Because it's only going to be us operating out of that faith principle that will allow us to give freely to other people. It's like when you're on an airplane. What do they tell you? Put the oxygen mask on yourself first so that you can help other people. You can't help anybody if you're dead. So as we put this oxygen mask on of Jesus and we can breathe his air, we have everything we need. And now we can freely give to other people and love to other people because our needs are met in him. So that's the biblical basis, but let's, let's make this practical. Here at Peninsula Grace, we support three organizations, um, Love, Inc., the Persecution Project, and MARC, Missionary Aviation Repair Center. We also support five individuals. We support Jojo, uh, Joanna Manjoni uh, in Russia with Teach Beyond, Ryan Runyon, and Daniel and Allison Schuler with Solid Rock. They'll be sharing with us at the end of today. And then up in the top, our newest missionary that we support, Jesse Countryman, who is currently training as a midwife in the Philippines, preparing to go overseas in a Muslim context um, to reach people with the gospel and plant churches. So we have this amazing opportunity to partner with these missionaries, and most of them are full-time or largely dependent on outside support to serve God in the capacities that they've been given. So here's my challenge to us today. For you to consider what it would look like to consistently, regularly support financially one of these missionaries, or listen, we're not just, it doesn't have to have a Peninsula Grace stamp on it. Many of you know other missionaries or organizations that, that you love and want to support. I have a couple of missionary friends that I, when I was going through New Tribes Bible training that, that I partner with. I mean, it doesn't have to be these, but these are the ones that our church makes a concerted effort to support financially. Now, here's how giving works at Peninsula Grace, especially if you're new with us. So when you give, if you give uh, to the general offering, like if you just write a check, 
and you don't specify to a certain area. It goes to our general offering, which thank you, because that's part of that's my salary. And so 5% of all of that giving the, to the general offering goes to this mission. The, the, those eight organizations and individuals we just put up on the screen, 5% of your general offering goes to them. So we support them in that way, but then here's what I would call you to above and beyond what you regularly give, because we still need that. I still need a salary. We need to be able to keep the lights on. Right? We're doing a lot of missionary disciple-making right here at, at home. But then also to consider what we call designated giving. So, so this would be you saying, I'm going to set aside an amount, and, I, and, and I'll tell you, as, a, as people who are on the mission field, for it to come in regularly is huge. And they're just kind of getting sporadic gifts. That's good, but they don't know how to budget like we do, right? And so to give monthly or weekly or yearly or whatever that would be, to consistently give. And so there's easy ways to do that. And just these are some logistics here. But you can specify on a check. You're filling out a check. And just in the memo line, you can say, this is going to Ryan Runyon or this is going to MARC. Or maybe you're saying, I want, you know, out of this $100 that I gave, I want $25 to go to X, Y, or Z. And you put that on your check or you put that on an envelope as you put cash into the offering. And in our office, they will distribute that accordingly. Or now we've got technology that will really make this a lot easier. We have a Breeze app. If you email the church office, they can send you a login. It's something that pops up on your phone. It's a really handy tool for giving. Or without even logging in, you can go to our church's website. And you go under the, the Give link. And we've got this whole list of how you can give, not just to the general fund, but you'll see here uh, these specific missionaries each have their own little section. And you can just click on that and give directly to them through a credit card or through a debit card or through your, your bank account. And then you just tell them there. You can actually specify this is a one-time gift or this is a regular. It's a weekly, it's a monthly, it's a yearly, whatever it is. Now, I'm just showing you the nuts and bolts to make it super easy for, for you to give. That's, that's the kind of the mechanics of it. But the heart of it, the heart of it, is you're looking at your spouse, honey, how much should we give? Well, ask me later, I'll tell you. Let me, let me see your bank account statements and I'll tell you how much to give. No. Uh, how, how much do I give? Well, remember what we just talked about, the principle. It's a heart issue. This is a hard issue between you and the Lord. We're not here to tell you amounts. We're not here to control how you give and where you give and to who you give. And I love what Paul says in chapter 8. He says, give in proportion to what you have. Verse 12, whatever you give is acceptable if, what? You give it eagerly, hilariously, generously. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Let's be real. There are people in this room today that have more money than other people. Remember when Jesus praised the widow for her mites? It wasn't because of how much, it was the heart from which she gave it. And so the question is, am I doing this from a grudging attitude or am I giving it from a giddy attitude? It's ultimately not how much you give, but it's how you give. And we have been called into this beautiful gift of loving other people through our finances. But that's not all. Secondly, we want to look at the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Missionary Paul also asks for prayer. And he's writing to this church in Philippi, which is one of his supporting churches. And this is what he has to say. This first principle is when we pray, God changes lives. When we pray, God changes lives. And this is incredible what he has to say to them. He says, yes, and I will rejoice. I will rejoice. Paul is choosing joy. Now, it's important to understand the context in which he's choosing joy. Paul's not saying my family and I are at Disneyland and we're choosing joy, right? Consider it all joy when you're facing trials. We're not, he's not on a, a cruise ship choosing joy. He's not sitting down at Thanksgiving dinner when all is good and choosing joy. Paul is writing this from prison. He's been placed in the prison for preaching the gospel. He was tortured and abused and thrown into jail for preaching the gospel that Jesus had called him to do. And he says, out of that, I'm choosing joy. I am choosing to do cartwheels 
Why is he so happy? Why is he so content and joyful? Well, he tells us, for I know, here's what I know, here's a fact based on the promises of God, this is what I know, this will, will, promise word, will turn out for my deliverance. He says, yeah, I'm in jail right now, but I know where this is going. I know what I've been promised. And here's the crazy part. He gives us two reasons that he's confident about this deliverance. That through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, I'll be delivered. So it says, because of Jesus, and because you all in Philippi are praying for me, I know that I'll be delivered. This is insane. Paul believes and he knows that prayer is powerful, it's effective, it is vital for his ministry. How crazy to think that God has dignified you and I by giving us the ability to move his hand and the outcome of things through us being on our knees in prayer. And that's crazy. And by the way, when he says this will turn out for my deliverance, he doesn't mean if you pray, they'll let me out of jail. You know what, you know what deliverance meant for Paul? You know what the fruit of ministry that he was looking to was? He says in verse 20, this, it's my eager expectation and hope. This is what he's expecting. This is what he's hoping in. If you pray for me, and Jesus is faithful like I know he is, here's my hope, that I will not be at all ashamed. I'm not going to fall on my face. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or whether by death. Because I may or may not get out of prison. I may live or I may die. We actually know Paul is killed for preaching this gospel. But that's not what he's praying for. That's not what he says your prayers will do for me. Because what your prayers will do for me is they will help me to be faithful, to be faithful to what God has called me to do. That, that, that I will be able to lift high the name of Jesus in my ministry, whether I'm in jail or I'm free, whether I live or whether I die. So here's the takeaway. Just like the believers in Philippi were called to pray for Paul, you and I have been given the privilege and the responsibility to be praying for our missionaries. And here's the promise. He says, if you pray for them, that God will be faithful to keep them faithful, whether they're at Solid Rock Bible Camp, whether they're in Russia or the Philippines, to be faithful, to be faithful, to lift high the name of Jesus in the ministry that God has given them to do. Let's be faithful to pray for them. And here's the other principle. The other principle we get here is when we pray, we join our missionaries on mission. When we pray, we actually join our missionaries on the mission field. And I get this from Romans 15. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus to join in my struggle. How do they join in by the struggle? They're not moving to where Paul is. How do they join him in the midst of the battle? By praying to God for me. Do this because you love me. The love that was given to you by the Holy Spirit. See, when we go to our knees, this isn't just some feel-good, nighttime prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. We are in an all-out war. And he says, we enter into the front lines of the spiritual battle with those who are in the darkest regions of this earth when we pray for them. This is a huge, a huge ministry. That, and you remember with Jesus in the, in the garden when he is about to die, and he comes to his disciples and he goes, really? I asked you to pray for me and you fell asleep? You couldn't even stay awake long enough to pray for me? And how often do we, man, may my prayer is that we as a church would not grow weary to pray for those who are going. 
that, that we, I mean, if they can give their lives, if they can give all of their time for this, that, that we would be faithful to pray for them. And when we pray for them, we join them on the mission field. The third principle, when we pray, we reflect the heart of Jesus. We reflect the heart of our Savior. When Jesus was in that garden, as his disciples were racking out, and he was about to die, you know what Jesus was thinking about? He was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about us. You read John chapter 17, and what he's praying for is for you and I. He says, Father, I know I'm about to die, but what I'm praying for is those who are going to follow me into this that they, that, that you, that you would protect them, that you would unify them, that, that the world would know that you sent me through the way they love each other. He's praying for us. And then he died, and he went back to heaven. And you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's praying for us. He's, this is what Romans 8 says. Who will, then will condemn us? No one. It's not Jesus. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting, is sitting you catch that? This is a present tense. This is what he's doing right now as you and I are talking. Well, I'm talking, you're listening, hopefully. Um, he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And what's he doing? He's pleading for us. He's interceding, is the word there, for us. That he is the go-between, between us and God. And he goes, God, Father God, in my name, because of my spilt blood, do not condemn Justin for that sin that he just committed. He's accepted and loved because of your, of my finished work on the cross. Grow him, use him, Father. Jesus believed that prayer, he believes prayer is effective, and it's powerful, and that it changes lives. And Jesus right now is joining us in the midst of the battle, on the mission field in prayer. Paul says the church at Philippi was joining him in the battle in prayer. May we join our missionaries on the battlefield, in the mission field, through our prayer. You think, man, what would it look like? What would it look like if we really believed this stuff? How radically would our, our prayer lives change if we really believed that eternity was being affected by our prayer? And I was thinking about this. I mean, imagine if God told you that every time you prayed, a $100 bill popped into your pocket. Huh. I'd, I'd, I'd start believing and, and obeying that pray without ceasing verse, right? I won't be a rich, rich man. Or you make it a little less selfish, and they said, what if every time you pray, if every day you prayed, um, one of the missionaries on our field, on the field, would get $100? Why wouldn't we pray every day? Like, they call us up, yo, Justin, why haven't you been praying for me? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't have the five seconds it took to pray for you, you know? Wouldn't we be praying pretty consistently if we knew they were getting money every time we prayed? Well, far better than physical dollars. We're told right here in Scripture, in Philippians 1, that when we pray, it results in their faithfulness in their ministry, and they are garnering a reward that's going to be far beyond what any $100 bill could offer them. Man, if we believed this, if we believed what was at stake here, we would never stop praying. Lord, help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. That we as a church might pray consistently. And you know, there's a limit to how many people we can financially support, but there's not much of a limit to those we can pray for. And I just, you know, ask you to consider as, as a family or as an individual creative ways to be consistently in prayer for people. 
I was, I was saying that the, the way that I do it is, is in the mornings uh, when I'm showering. That's when I do a lot of my prayer because it's like the only place I can't have my smartphone. And so I just have time. And uh, as I'm in there, on, on Sundays, I pray for our missionaries, the missionaries that we support here at Peninsula Grace. And, um, and, and so that kind of helps me be in a routine to make sure once a week I'm praying for these missionaries. And it also helps that now, as a side effect, every time I see my loofah, I picture Harlan Lloyd which is a really cool, it just kinda, actually kind of looks like his hairdo, the way that my loofah is. But um, think about, the, so think about the way that, um, that you might be able to do this as a family. We all have different rhythms. Maybe it's putting something on the visor in your car, and when you're on the way to work or the way to school with your kids, you're praying for these missionaries, or you got their, their pictures or something up on your, your wall near your dining room table and at a meal uh, a couple times a week, you pray for these missionaries, or you know, it's during your family devotions, wherever that would fold into how do we do this consistently and regularly? Holding the ropes, not pr- falling asleep in the garden as we pray. Third and final power that we've been given is the power of relationship. The cool thing about missionary Paul was Paul prioritized people. He prioritized relationships in, in his life. Um, when you read the end of his letters, you know, the parts that we normally skip over because we don't understand how to pronounce those names, Paul is talking about people, specific people. And we're going to get back into Romans in January. And at the end of that letter in, in Romans 16, He drops 33 names in 24 verses. These are men and women and families and small groups that he would come alongside and that he knew that he had relationship with. See, when Paul went to these towns to preach the gospel, it wasn't just like a a chariot drive-by throwing gospel tracts at them, right? Paul would stop the thing. He would get out and get into the mud with these people. He would spend months, sometimes years, he knew their names, he, he knew who they were, he knew their stories. Paul spent time with people and loved them as human beings. And I love how missionary Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 how we should approach other people, and this would include the missionaries that we support. He says, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Imagine doing that for one day. He says in verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. This is simple, but this is radical. This is the heart of Jesus. Remember one of the main things that he said, the the commandment that is just as great as loving the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, what does that look like? Well, think about how good you are at loving yourself. (laughs) Like when I have an itch, I'm not like, hmm, I wonder if I should take the time to scratch this itch, right? This is a knee-jerk reaction. When I'm hungry, You know what your pastor does? He eats. When I'm tired, I go to bed. When I'm sick, I take care of myself. Like I never like wake up in the morning and are like, oh, I've neglected my basic needs once again, right? I didn't clothe myself. I didn't find shelter last night. You know, what am I thinking? I'm just so concerned about everybody else, right? That's not how I live. I'm very defaulting thinking about Justin. So imagine if tomorrow morning you woke up and you were just as concerned about the missionaries on the field as you were yourself. Think about how radically different your mindset would be. Then where are they at today? How can I be praying for them? What are their needs? And imagine if a whole army of believers were thinking about other people that way. It would change the world. And these people, these people that we support, they're not just like missionary machines that are out there doing They're human beings. They get hungry. They get hangry, right? They get tired. They, they have dreams. They have, they have fears. They sneeze. 
These are full people that we need to consider as full people. And so we connect with them as people. Not just, I'm going to write a check to appease my conscience, or I, I checked you off a list that I pray for, to really stop and consider them. And you know a practical way that you can do that? We talked about $2 investments. These missionaries always send out newsletters. A lot of them are once a month or once a quarter. And if you're like me, honestly, a lot of times, click on the archive button. You don't even really read it. Maybe choose one of the missionaries that you hear from and actually sit down and take the time to read the entire newsletter. Read it with your family. And as you're reading through it, consider their world. Well, what are they going through? What are their needs today? What are their fears today? What are their victories today? How can we be praying for them and coming alongside to support them? So take the time to, to listen to them, but also take the time to connect. To connect, to let them know you're praying for them. Do you realize in our parking lot right now, if you cut a few strategic, strategic trees down, you could see Love, Inc. from our parking lot. It is literally right across the street here on KBH. And you imagine if one of us, one of you, this week, walked into the office there and said, hello, my name is blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to let you know we're praying for you. Just wanted to know, how are things going? You talked to Leslie Rohr, the director she shared with us early in November, or one of the staff members there. Hey, how can we be praying for you guys? Just wanted to let you know, been thinking about you, praying about you. You would knock their socks off. And one of the cool things about Alaska is we have a lot of missionaries who are right here in, in our own church. Ryan and the Schuler are going to be sharing with us here at the end of the service. They go to church here every week, or they should be, right? We have folks from the Alaska Christian College. We have all, MARC. We have several families. We have a lot of people right here who are on the front lines, who are in our church most Sundays. Have them over for dinner. Go out to coffee with them. Get to know them as people, how you can help meet real needs in their lives. And then when Jesse or Jojo are home from the mission field, invite them over. And if that freaks you out because you're one of those weird people who are introverted, um, have a couple families, a small group, right? Several of you, have them over together. And we live in a day and age where the internet has made it easier than ever to reach out to somebody. You could send Jesse or Jojo an email, a Facebook, an Insta tweet. There are many, many ways to reach out to people right here, right now. They could can, they can hear you right now, right? Right now. No, seriously, start emailing them right now. I'll, I'll wait. No, I won't do that. Send them a care package. It's the holiday season, right? We all love getting something for Christmas. Imagine what it would be like to be thousands of miles away from everything that's familiar in your life. Get to know when their birthdays are. Send them something at their birthday. There's so many ways to personally care for them. And I'll tell you what, I'm so glad that my God cares for me that way. That he knows my name. He knows every hair on my head. He cares about me personally. I'm not just a number that's heading to heaven. I'm Justin Blake Franchino, and he loved me enough to die for me so that he could have a personal connection and relationship with me. Let's reach out to the people in our lives in the same way. So we close down this mission month, this series. Listen, there's no Bible verse that I can give to you, and trust me, I've scoured it from cover to cover, that says that we all have to quit our jobs, that we all have to move to another country, that we all have to be full-time vocational missionaries. That's not in the Bible. But what we are told, the God-given mandate that each of us have, is to go into the world and make disciples, to seek and save the lost and give our lives to honor Jesus, whether by life or whether by death. And listen, that is just as much true for us as it is any of the missionaries that we support. And we're each called to be a missionary, whether it's here or beyond, and each of us are called to give 
to pray, and to connect with those who are doing the Lord's work with us. So in, in your bulletin, we have these little, little handout things. We, sent up, we put them out a couple weeks ago when we were talking about be a missionary. And just some, some line-in-the-sand moments um, just for you and your family to say, hey, we want to take these steps toward, um, toward doing what God's called us to do. And so there's just little bubbles that you can circle. If God's impressing in your heart, there's, I need, we need to start supporting some of these people on the field financially. We need to be more consistent in our prayer for them. Hey, here's a family or someone that we know that we can reach out to consistently. Um, I just encourage you to take that with you and your family, prayerfully consider what steps can we take into this? And, and if you want, you can drop that in the offering plate. Don't put your name on it. We're not looking for who's doing what, but we're just trying to see what is God doing in the heart of our people? How is he moving? And then, and then take those steps, make those $2 investments into that faithful giving. Let's just pause right now as we close for prayer to actually pray for these people if what we believe is true about what God said our prayers will do. So Father, we come before you this morning just thanking you, thanking you that you are a generous, bountiful, hilarious giver, that you've given us everything we need and more in Jesus. Our cup is overflowing with the waterfall of grace that you've given us through him. And Lord, we pray that out of that heart of generosity that you've poured into us, that we would A, believe that all of our needs are met in Jesus, and therefore B, be able to freely give away everything. It's all yours in the first place. And you've called us to, to freely give what we've freely received. Stir in us generous hearts that are not holding on to this tight-fisted as you're trying to pry it away from us like some kind of killjoy. But the Father, you have freely given to us, and then we can hold our hand loosely and let those blessings splash into our palms and then out into the lives of other people in our lives. You're not going to fail us. Your supply will never run out. And so, Lord, we think about those that we support here through Peninsula Grace. We pray for Jessie. She's in a brand new world now in the Philippines. And she's away from home, from family, from loved ones. And we just pray that you would give her a place that she could call home there to be able to, to learn what being a midwife looks like and to be able to share the gospel with those people there. We pray for Joe. She's in Russia and she's teaching these, these beautiful Russian students and rubbing shoulders with this staff and, and, and sharing the love of Jesus with the people that she's coming into contact with, that she would be faithful and that she'd find all of her needs met in Jesus, that she would know that she's got a church here that's backing her 100%. We pray for Daniel and Allison and Ryan, even as they're sharing here in a few minutes, that you calm their nerves. And that this winter, as, as they're walking through, hosting people through the camp and preparing for next year, Lord, that they would be faithful in what you've called them to and have opportunities to share the gospel with Jesus. We thank you for Love, Inc. and, and what you've called them into to, to serve the least of these in our neighborhood. We pray for the staff there. We pray for Leslie in particular and, and our church as we go to endeavor with them to open up our our facility this winter to be able to house those who don't have what we take for granted every single night, that we would change this community partnering with them. Lord, we pray for MARC as they're going to the darkest places in this world, in, in Village, Alaska, places that spiritually and physically can be some of the darkest places. Lord, that they would take your light. We, we pray for the Lloyds and the Taves and those especially in our church for their families and the ministry, that they would be faithful and abide in Jesus in that process. Father, we pray for the persecution project and the, the staff, the folks there who work there, and just to step back for a moment and imagine, Lord, what it would be like 
to be doing what we're doing right now and not knowing if someone's coming in with a gun and if the government is going to strip us of that privilege and throw us in jail for worshiping and talking about Jesus. Lord, that those believers would be faithful and find Jesus as their source of everything. Father, change our hearts, make them more like yours. That we would give to others the way you have given to us. That we would actually give to others what you have given to us. And that's Jesus. As we transition now to December and we look toward that manger. And we think of the free gift that you gave us in that little baby. That we would behold him, be satisfied in him and stir in our hearts a love and a lifetime of dedication and freely giving him away. It's in his holy, beautiful name that we give and that we pray. Amen.